for so long Gotta get a little light inside Welcome back to another episode of Big Girl Panties. This is Jennifer Ho-Dugatz. I love the unusual, one-of-a-kind things, and I'm constantly on the search for just that. One of my favorite pastimes is spending days at flea markets, yard sales, and estate sales, always looking for the next piece to add to my collection. Every year, my family takes a road trip to Knoxville, Tennessee, to see our friends Lois and Barb. You might remember them from the interview from Episode 4, Two Women, One Autistic Mute, and Endless Possibilities. Lois has a replica of Michelangelo's creation of Adam from the Sistine Chapel on her dining room ceiling. Michelangelo on the ceiling? Okay, that's a gay thing, but not a girl gay thing. The fireworks, okay, that was kind of the girl gay thing. But gay boys own this house before us, and that is always good for property values, except when they put the most garish fresco on the ceiling. Because, you know, obviously in the Michelangelo deal, it's, it's, it's all real nice. I mean, people go see it and everything. But ours is horrible, and it is nobody sketched it out prior to drawing this huge mural, and it's it you know it can art be bad you know it's a subjective thing but yes this is very bad so um, I think it's hilarious and I refuse to take it down and as soon as we bought the house everybody's like oh you're gonna you know paint over that right and I'm like oh my god no this is like a joke that keeps on giving somewhere on our 12 hour drive we went to a flea market in the Shenandoah Valley on our annual road trip. While we were walking around the flea, there was a man in his mid-80s there that was selling hordes of vintage superheroes, like Ghostbusters, Star Trek, and, and various Star Wars memorabilia. I mean, this was hoarder territory. There were boxes up to the ceiling with every superhero imaginable strewn all over the place. It was my own personal nirvana. I have an infatuation with anything Star Wars and Wonder Woman, with the side dish of Thundercats, and after he showed me a 1975 Wonder Woman figurine, he told me that he's been running his shop with his wife for a number of years. He then said that he had been married to her for over 60 years. So I asked him what the special recipe was for a marriage that long, and he told me that when she asked for something that she wanted, he got it for her. And if she asked if she should get the red, blue, or purple one, he told her to get them all. He then told me a story about his father. He told me that his father had always said that when he turns 62, he's going to get that Cadillac that he had been waiting for all of his life. And then he told me a few months before his father's 62nd birthday, he passed away, and he never got what he wanted. So now this man says that he doesn't need to leave money for his kids. They can take care of themselves. And he gives himself what he wants today. And he really does live his life in no regrets. He loved his work, and he loved his life, and he lived it like there really was no tomorrow. It's really simple intellectually. But how many times do we actually put that into play? So I started thinking back of when I just decided to jump in and take an opportunity just because it was there. The opportunities that, if I turned them down, I would regret later. I have one memory that stands out the most when I think of my crazy adventures. I must have been around 21, and I was living in Philly, going to Temple University, working at a restaurant called Tony's on Broad Street, near City Hall, as a hostess. 
Philadelphia is much like New York City, but smaller, cleaner, definitely cheaper, and it had a small-town feel to it. I could walk down the street on a daily basis and bump into somebody that I knew. One of the busy Friday nights, as I was doing the table dance of seating reservations, now, if you've ever worked at a restaurant before, there's something that hosts and hostesses do when seating people that I call the table dance. It's like playing Tetris, and half the time you're gambling that you won't give up a table that someone else will need. So you need to time things well to turn the table over by the next wave. Make sure you don't overload a waiter in their section by giving them too many at one time, and all the while making sure that the customer gets their needs met and fill the room appropriately, keeping in mind that walk-in customers who grease your palm expect a table right away. So a bit of the unexpected happens every night. That night a friend slash co-worker, had asked me if I was willing to be a ring girl for a championship middleweight fight at the Blue Horizon next week. My head immediately said, No way in hell are you doing this. You don't even know what a ring girl does. But my mouth said, absolutely. And so there it was. The decision was made. I had never been to a boxing match, and I might have caught about three minutes of one on the telly. But my reference point was always that I saw in the movies, like Rocky or Cinderella Man. So I started looking up what a ring girl does. I got the idea that they hold a card up in a bikini between rounds for matches. Okay, that sounded easy. So I found my black bikini and my black fur coat, so I was set and feeling super sexy. The next Friday, as I was getting the directions to drive over to the arena, I was told that the limo was coming to get me, and the rest of the girls, and that we would be traveling over there with one of the boxers. I was like, that is so cool. I had never been in a limousine before, so that was already off the bat an experience. When the limo pulled up, I stepped inside, and I was greeted by the other girls, and the fighter, and off we went. The boxer reminded me of Rocky. He was pumped, in the zone, he was ready to fight, and he was extremely serious. I mean, the look on his face, he wasn't laughing about anything. The girls, well, the girls made me look like a nun. I found out that they were strippers from the local club. They had metallic neon strappy bikinis that reminded me of dental floss. They had glitter all over them, and they smelled like sweet strawberries. They cackled away with each other the entire trip to the Blue Horizon, and at that point, I knew I was in for an interesting night. When we pulled up to the venue, I was stunned. I never knew it existed. It had the look of the rest of Philadelphia with its old-world charm and colonial architecture. We were escorted in through the back of the building and stayed in a holding room until we were told to walk out into the arena to our ringside seats. The other girls were giggling with glee, and I was wondering what the hell I said yes to. And I told myself, not even told myself, I vowed to myself next time I would keep my mouth shut. As soon as we were ushered from the holding room into the packed arena, I looked up to see a two-story 1,500-seat venue that was something out of a movie. 
And when I think of 1930s American boxing, this is what I was seeing. There was wood fold-down seats, a balcony with woodworking that would make any carpenter today drool. And people, mostly men, packed in like sardines, talking to each other with super animated gestures. The arena was dimly lit except for the ring. They must have known the bout was about to happen because the room got quieter as the security guards brought us across the ring to our seats. As soon as we sat down, the room erupted in a cacophony of sounds from yelling to banging and shifting bodies. They were all ready for what was next. Welcome to Loud Mute Radio. I'm Lois Perslowski here with our bright star, Barb Rettenbach. Hold on, she's typing. Not our show, you. <laughs> Not our show, you idiot. Right, right. This is not our show. It is an ad for our book and our show on Jennifer's podcast, Big Girl Panties. Got it. Okay, please listen to Loud Mute Radio. It's a fun and very educational podcast. And one of us is uber smart. And uh, hold on, Barbara's typing again. And the and the other and the other talks. Okay, very good. Uh, Yeah, one of us is uber smart, and and as Barb says, the other talks. Find out more about our book, our show, and us at www.mulemuseproductions.com. Please tune in to Loud Mute Radio for all your psychological and nonverbal autistic needs, plus a whole lot of brilliant guests who are excited about what they do. And now buying our book, I Might Be You, An Exploration of Autism and Connection by Barb Rettenbach and Lois Prislowski, Ph.D., is also a great idea. Barb, please end the ad with one of your trademark moments of silence. When times are tough and the world looks bleak, there is only one man who can save us from ourselves. Howard Bloom Saves the Universe. A new podcast tackling sex, drugs, God, aliens, rock and roll, Michael Jackson, and more. Howard Bloom Saves the Universe. Available on iTunes and other leading podcast providers. Little did I know that the Blue Horizon was the number one boxing ring in the world, and also one of the oldest. The first fight there was in 1938. It had some of the most famous boxers come through its doors like Curtis Cox, Russell Peltz, and Benny Briscoe. You might have seen the Blue Horizon in the Rocky movie. Um, I think it was Rocky V. They shot some of the fight scenes there. I was in the first of the five seats of Ring Girls. My stomach was in my throat, not knowing what to expect next or what we were to do. I wasn't given any instructions, and actually, I didn't even ask for any. I learned a big life lesson to really ask for details. Even now, when I talk about that moment in my ringside seat, I get that feeling as if I'm going skydiving. I'm 4,000 feet in the air, and the hatch to the plane just opened, and I'm standing on the edge, ready to jump, palms sweaty, heart racing, and my mind on Pluto, feeling like I'm having an out-of-body experience. The announcer enters the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the main event. So let's welcome our boxers into the ring. Introducing first... He starts to introduce the boxers one by one. 
Unfortunately, I don't remember who was fighting or who the boxers were. The first boxer comes into the arena from the same area we entered, bouncing side to side, throwing some punches, already looking sweaty, and I don't know how, but he had a towel around his neck. His small entourage leading him to the ring. They split the ropes for him, and he raises one arm into the air, and the crowd starts hooting, calling his name, and of course, there's always some that are booing. The second boxer comes in, the one that I rode with in the limo, with his entourage, holding a Greek flag, doing the same dance as the first boxer all the way to the ring, and he receives the same response from the crowd. They both take a seat in their corners, and I'm watching in shock and awe. Next thing you know, there's a young guy walking over to me, signaling me to come over to him, and I do, wondering what the hell he wants from me. I mean, maybe the fur coat is too much? He hands me a card with round one printed on it and proceeds to lead me up the steps to the ring. I was like, oh shit, I'm the first to go? Really? But before I could let my mind hold me back, he split the ropes for me to enter the ring. At that point, I looked at my choices. I could either timidly walk around the ring, barely holding up the card in an effort to get over with it, or I could just take this moment to really lay it on thick and go crazy. And I chose crazy. So with my heels, my bikini, and my fur coat, I held that card up high, put on a smile and a wink, and slowly made my way around the ring, strutting to the song, Sexy Motherfucker. Sexy Motherfucker. My stride was slow and methodical as I soaked in every single second of my presence in that ring. When I hit a corner in the ring, (laughs) I did a slow spin and proceeded in my strutting. I thought, actually, that was pretty cool that I added a little twist of my own. The crowd was a muffled mess of whistles and hooting. And I finally got back to my start point. I walked out of the ring in disbelief of what just happened. My legs were wobbly all the way back to my seat. A smile crept up on my face and absolute joy and pride entered. Not so much that I'd walked in front of a room full of 1,500 people, mostly men in my bikini, but the fact that I overcame whatever doubt and fear I had about doing this. So the boxers began fighting. The bell rang at the end of the round, and the next woman was up. She was in a hot pink thong string bikini with matching five-inch heels. Now, she was the most glittery out of all the ladies and lit up like a disco ball when she got onto the mat. I call her Sparkles. She smiled as she walked around, but every few steps she would stop to grind and bend over and, well, you know, give her best stripper performance. Thank God I went first. Over the next few rounds, the other girls all got to go and did the same thing as Sparkles. The fight was not over, and I went again this time taking off the fur coat. That was as far as I was going. 
After I got off the mat and the next round ended, there was a break. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Three out of the five girls went into the ring and they started twerking. They were humping the ring. I mean, think of what you would see at a strip joint minus the pole and that was them. The men went wild. The fight ended in the ninth round with a knockout. I was excited to see it was the boxer I rode to the venue with. And after the win, the girls and I were ushered to take pictures with the winner for the media. It was an incredible night, one where I learned so much about myself, where I learned about how I use choice as a tool to really make a situation what it is. I chose to stick to my commitment of doing this and also enjoy the ride. I chose to go all out and have fun instead of being in my head and being timid. So I want to ask you, what are you choosing in your moments? Is it joy? Is it fun, love, gratitude? Or is it anger, resentment, or believing that you can't do something? I mean, life is all about choice. What do you choose? As always, I encourage you to get out there, put on your big girl panties, and connect with your world. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook. Until next time, this is Jennifer Ho Dugatz.